0: So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownright and I'm here to help you focus on connection because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids and connection will help you live a life full of real joy. Because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hello and welcome to Pause and Connect. I'm Rebecca Brownright and this is episode 13, How to Have Empathy for Your Child's Small Problems. I've been thinking a lot about empathy lately. It's actually always on my mind. I'm one of those people who get sucked into comment threads online. Are you one of those people? So like what starts out as this tiny curiosity quickly turns into this morbid fascination as I read attacks in the comments that are absolutely devoid of empathy. It's the car accident that I just can't look away from. You know what I mean? Because you've seen it too, and you may have even had it happen to you. One time I saw an article about a mountain lion attack on a child in a suburban backyard in Colorado. The mother was inside the house, heard the screams, ran outside, and pulled the child from the mountain lion's jaws. The child survived, so it was an incredible story. I mean, a, a woman fought a mountain lion and saved her child, and then I did the stupid thing of late reading the comments. There was every criticism you could think of. People said the mom was lazy, undisciplined, a bad mom, neglectful. I mean, it went on and on, and it even there was this most ridiculous one said something like, she shouldn't have moved to Colorado. She was asking for this. And my jaw dropped because this was a story story of terror, bravery, rescue. And people decided that the point was that the mother did something wrong. They couldn't have empathy for the child or the mother. It was so weird. Now, I talk a lot about how society's expectations for women and mothers are ridiculous. And this is a clear example of that. Somehow, the mother is always to blame. That can be a whole separate episode. <laughs> for this episode, I wanted to tell about this, this example because it's a nice illustration about how devastating it is when someone cannot put themselves in another person's shoes. We can do better at this, Right. <laughs> I have to imagine that that experience was traumatizing for both the child and the mother. So can't we imagine they felt physical and emotional pain? Can't we put ourselves in their shoes? They must have developed anxieties as as a result, and that's so tragic. Can't we imagine that? And yet, the general public viewing this story dismissed all of that by blaming a mother when a mountain lion wandered into her suburban backyard. It's sick, actually. Now, this is a story that's out there but we can bring it in here, us. We can use that, exo- that story to examine ourselves and determine if we might be doing the same thing to the people in our lives. Are we withholding empathy for someone? And do we do that in our parenting? I know I used to, and I, I still probably do sometimes. This is what was modeled for me by society. In our society, we blame. When something goes wrong, we blame. That's like in the mountain lion story or really any tragedy you can think of. Think back on on any of the the big news stories you've heard. There's always someone blaming someone, always. And empathy is often only an afterthought if it shows up at all. So this seeps into our parenting. In my early parenting, if my child, say, got their hand stuck in a toy that I told them was too small for their hand, I might have felt bad, but I also probably would have said, well, You deserved it for not listening to me, you know, or maybe I wouldn't have said that out loud, but I would have thought it and then said something along those lines. Or let's say they ate too much candy on Halloween and they got sick after I told them not to eat too much. I might have felt bad, but also probably would have made it a point to tell them that they should have listened to me. This is something we do to our kids, and then we support each other in it. We support other parents doing this to their children. I've seen popular influencers share that, like, for example, they told their kids to clean up the toys, and then the kids didn't do it, so they threw the toys away. The idea was, of course, that they were trying to teach their kids a lesson, and the parents who read this supported the parents who did this, and it's it becomes this thing like, yes, of course, this is what we do, but... What's happening to the kids when we do this? You know what popular parenting tells us? It says that kids will learn their lesson. It says that, well, they had the chance to take care of the toys, and now they don't get to have them anymore. Lesson learned, and then you use a little lecture to rub it in. But let's try and look at it a little differently. Let's try and look at it with empathy instead. So what if, when our kids eat too much Halloween candy, we hold them, and we love them, and we tell them we're sorry that they're feeling sick? What if we withhold the lecture and the judgment and we just approach them with empathy? They're going to learn two things. They're going to learn, one, their stomachs can't handle that much sugar. And two, their parents are going to support them through anything. And actually, they're going to learn a lot more. They're going to learn how to learn from their mistakes. They're going to learn how to regulate their emotions because they're going to be co-regulating with you as you're comforting them. Now, that's the power of empathy. If we chastise them for eating too much candy... They're going to have a stomach ache, and they're going to feel bad about themselves. So which is better? They're going to have the stomach ache regardless. Should we, should we approach them with empathy so that they can also learn to regulate their emotions? They can also then learn at, with their regulated emotions how to learn from this experience. Should, should we do that, or should we just dig into them and tell them how much they made a mistake? Or the other example, if we tell our kids to clean up their toys and they don't do it, and we throw the toys away. Our kids might learn to clean up their toys from now on. Or they might not. If your kid has ADHD, that, that might not work. I have I have a kid with ADHD and and that seriously would not work. They they don't always remember consequences. It's a separate issue. But but let's say that they do. For the sake of this argument, let's say that your kid learns to clean up their toys because you threw their toys away. So they learn that lesson. But they're also gonna learn resentment. They're also going to learn to pull away from their parents. They're going to see their parents are the enemy they're not going to learn that uh, how to regulate because they're not going to have that co-regulating support from their parents and they're going to learn they don't have a say in their life but on the other hand if we tell our kids to clean up their toys and they don't do it we approach them with empathy they're going to learn a lot more so if we say to ourselves before we go to them if we we try to develop that empathy we say They must be feeling tired or overwhelmed, and that's why they didn't clean up their toys. Then that's going to change how we approach them. We're going to go to them with curiosity and understanding and problem solving. We're going to hear their opinion. We're going to figure out how to problem solve together. And then from that interaction, that positive interaction, that empathetic interaction, our kids are going to learn that their parents have their back. They're going to learn how to problem solve and they're going to learn that they have autonomy and, they, and they, they're going to learn how to use that responsibly. So I hope that makes sense. This is not something our society conditions us to do. It does not condition us to parent with empathy in this way. So it's something that we have to actively teach ourselves to do. Now, some people are born knowing how to have empathy for others. I have some friends who do this with their children naturally, and I admire them so much. But other people like me have to learn it again and again. So if you're like me, that's what this episode is for. One way I learned empathy was by experiencing it from others. My little boy, Rex, he's almost seven years old now, but when he was a baby, he failed to thrive in severe ways during the first year of his life. There were all these separate issues that he had. I won't go into them, but it combined into this terrible, perfect storm of a baby that just was losing weight and was quite literally skin and bones. And to top it off, we had this doctor who was really negligent for his first two months. And that is a really long time in a baby's life, especially when they're failing to thrive and losing weight. It was the hardest time in my life. Now, once we found a better doctor, things improved, but there was so much catch-up work to do. It was just so, so hard. By the time he was one, he was finally a healthy baby with some fat on his bones too, uh, but it had been an excruciating road to get there. And I don't even know if I can express it adequately. It It was so, so hard. Now, everybody knew what we were going through because it was impossible to hide his sickness. He looked so sick. And so we had a lot of feedback, input, and support from strangers, friends, family. I mean, everybody who interacted with us. There was some sort of feedback. And I was really amazed at how helpful it was during this time to hear someone just simply say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through, period. Or this sounds so hard, period. I was amazed at how it felt for someone to see our struggles and validate them. Hear someone say, wow, you're working so hard. This is such a hard thing. That was so uplifting. There was also a lot of this isn't as bad as and then comparisons to someone else or this is just a small moment or it could be worse. Now that I'm out of that time, I recognize that those people were trying to help me feel better. They absolutely didn't have any ill intent when they told me that this 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 Could be worse, or this is just a small moment. But it felt very minimizing at the time when someone told me my situation wasn't as bad as someone else's, or that this wouldn't be the worst thing in my life. Because right then, it was the worst thing in my life. There was no end in sight. I was living in constant overwhelm. I had absolutely no idea how to solve this problem. So to hear someone say that something that made it seem like my problem was smaller than it really was, it felt so devastating at the time. Now, I thought back to similar things I had said in the past to people who were going through hard things. And I I know I've done this. I know I've said like, oh, at least it's not as bad as this, or this will be over soon. I know I've done that. I know I was coming from a good place. I was trying to help them feel better. But now that I've been on the other side, I know that that's not helpful. So this changed my parenting and the way I interact with other people too. I now saw my children's problems in a new way. I now didn't feel as if I had to help them move through their problems. I didn't have to tell them, oh, this is no big deal. I, that, that was not helpful because I'd had that done to me and I knew it wasn't helpful. Instead, what I could do for my children was I could sit with them in their problems. That's how I began to approach them. Instead of trying to minimize or let's just get this problem over with, it was time to sit with them and have empathy for them. because. When I was going through that hardest time in my life and people showed that empathy to me, it was so uplifting. It was so validating and it helped me so much. And as a parent, that's what I want to do. I want to uplift. I want to validate. I want to help my children. So for example, let's use that that example of the, the child gets their hand stuck in a toy, even though you told them not to put their hand there. Now, I could recognize that they were scared, hurting, and sad. That's the empathy that I could have. And because I recognized that, then I didn't need to give them a lecture on how they should have listened to me. I could instead let the situation be the lesson and then comfort them and help them get through their predicament. Now, I saw my husband do this beautifully last fall, and I shared it about, about it on social media, and it really struck a chord with a lot of people. So I'll read that post here. This was the post. Our six-year-old fell face forward in the river, fully clothed. He hurt his knees, but more than that, he was shocked at what had happened to him. Of course, he became emotional. My husband ran straight for him, scooped him up, and held him, wet clothes and all. That first step was so important because it helped our son know he was important. He was worth rushing to, even when he was a mess. Then this next step was critical. My husband let him cry. He didn't tell him he was okay. He didn't tell him to stop crying. He didn't tell him he was tough. He just let him feel his emotions while holding him and being with him, being in the pain with him. When our son was done crying, my husband made a joke. Everyone laughed and our son skipped off to keep playing. Only now he knew how to walk more carefully. He didn't fear he would get in trouble for getting wet or get a lecture on what he shouldn't have done. He didn't fear his emotions were too much. He just got to feel what he needed to feel while being connected to his dad. We aren't perfect at this, but every time we connect, instead of control or correct, the situation resolves in an uplifting way. That was the post. I, I loved seeing my husband do this. Because in, in my early parenting years, I would have done this totally differently. I might have stayed back and said, hey, you're okay, bud, get up. Or I might have said, see, you shouldn't have been you should have been watching where you were walking. And this is because that's what was modeled for me in our society. Now, I know not everyone picks up the same messages from our society, but that's the one I picked up, that you should be tough, that you should work harder not to make mistakes, and that parents should not coddle. Rushing to our son and supporting him in that moment taught our son that he is worth his dad's time. He is allowed to make mistakes without fear of punishment, and his emotions are valid, he also still learned to walk more carefully in the water. That that was an important lesson, and he still got that lesson, even without a lecture. He didn't need us to point out that he should be more careful. He learned that lesson in his experience, and then, this is so key, because his dad helped him regulate his emotions, that lesson was easier to hold on to because he didn't have to fight any emotions. He didn't have to fight for validation, so he could just get the lesson. He could feel support. And then feel, I should be more careful when I walk in the water. He felt his emotions and he learned what he needed to learn. And that's what we want for our kids. That's what we want. We don't want them to fight the tough emotions and fight all the way through that and fight all the dysregulation and then finally learn the lesson that, oh, I should walk more carefully in the water because they're not going to learn it. It's not going to be as internalized and they're, they're not going to feel good. But because he didn't have to fight any of these those emotions, he just was allowed to feel the sadness, feel the pain, feel the comfort and the regulation from his father. Then he was able to get to the other lesson of, hey, I need to be more careful when I'm fully clothed in a river, right? Now, this reminds me of something I learned from some great teenagers. In my church congregation, I used to work with young women who were 12 to 18 years old. And one thing they loved to tell me, was how much it just stinks to have grown-ups trivialize their problems. They wanted me and all the grown-ups in their lives to know that finals and boyfriends and sports and homework and friends are hard. Really hard. Now, these girls were really intelligent girls because they recognized that adult problems are hard, too. And they could also even understand why their problems seemed small to those of us who had crossed that teenage threshold years ago. But they just wanted adults to quit comparing. (laughs) Yes, they knew that homework is not as big of a deal as unemployment, but homework is still hard. It's still all-consuming, and it's still a major stressor. Don't we remember how hard it was at the time? We should, right? I learned so much from these teenagers. Now, I was working with them at the same time that my son was suffering as a baby, what I told you about earlier. And my husband also lost his job at this time. (laughs) It was a really terrible time. And I couldn't work because I was caring for our starving son, and we were struggling financially. We had just bought a house with a bigger mortgage. It was, it was a terrible, terrible time, and we were unsure on how to save our baby. It was so tumultuous. There were times when I wished that my only problem was finals and boys who didn't like me back. There were times when I wanted to minimize those teenagers' problems. They were so good at teaching me that there's no competition in problems. All problems are valid. And at the same time they were teaching me this, I was also getting those lovely hits of validation and empathy from good friends who cared about my situation. Like I told you earlier, friends who were seeing me and saying, wow, this is so hard. I'm so sorry you're going through this without trying to minimize it. So I was learning from the teenagers and I was getting that beautiful empathy from friends. And it was teaching me so much. And so then shortly after this time period, after my son's health improved and my husband's work situation improved, I had a chance to practice this empathy on the tiniest of problems. Now, this is such a funny story, but it's really sweet and endearing. And I just, I, it was pivotal for me. Um, and maybe, maybe it will be pivotal for you too. So one day when my daughters were eight and four watched a Tinkerbell movie. When it ended, four-year-old Emma came and gave me this really strong hug and she was whimpering. And eight-year-old Lydia was follow, following behind her and she had this really suspicious look on her face. I was, I was like, Lydia, is, is Emma hurt? Emma wasn't answering any of my questions. She was just hugging me and whimpering. And Lydia shook her head and her face still looked mischievous and suspicious. So I was getting a little upset. I'm like, did you hurt her? And then I noticed her face. It wasn't a mischievous grin. It was a front for these really sad feelings that she was holding back. And she started to let them go. And that what I had thought was a grin now turned upside down. And she started to tell me what had happened. And this is what had happened. The Tinkerbell movie had ended. And then she broke down. <laughs> and she she tried to explain what, what had happened. But she couldn't. She was sobbing. Emma was sobbing. They were clinging to my arms, and I had no idea what had happened, but I could gather that the movie had a sad ending. So at first, I was going to laugh because it was so cute and sweet and such a trivial thing to get worked up about, right? But then, because of my year with a sick baby, and because of those teenagers who gave me perspective, I realized this was a hard moment in my daughter's lives. So I scooped them up, best I could I said let's go over to the couch so I can hold you both and then once we arrived they were crying so hard it was so loud I think because I gave them permission to cry it released so much sadness and emotion so when when they had finally calmed down I was like okay did someone die in the movie and they said no Like okay, well, what happened? And then they they said something. I I don't even know what it was. I never could understand this word. There was some character that saved all the fairies, and then it had to go back into the earth for a thousand years. And the fairies will never see him again. Their tears just they just got bigger and bigger, and they were reliving the sad moment of this movie. And I have to admit, I did smile when they weren't looking, and I'm smiling now because it's so adorable that they cared so much. Then I held them close. I told them I was sorry, and I just let them cry. And then, (laughs) this this I'm going to laugh about, but I I was feeling their sobs. They were shuddering. They were crying so hard, and tears began forming in my own eyes. (laughs) And I was thinking, am I really crying for this cartoon character thing that I didn't see? I don't even know the name of it because I can't understand it. I don't know anything about it. I don't care about it. Am I really crying about this character? But no, I wasn't crying for that character. I was crying because my girls were sad. And letting them be sad allowed me to feel their feelings right there with them. I mean, I did feel a little silly that I was crying over this, but I also felt so grateful. What an opportunity to be able to feel my children's pain. We can do that. We can have that. We can feel what they're feeling as we tune into them instead of telling them that something is no big deal or they're silly or whatever we want to say. That moment as silly as it, as it was, was such a lesson to me. And it's one I hope I remember when they're devastated over breaking up with a boy that I never liked, or when they're not getting into a college that I didn't even want them to go to, or any other number of experiences that we're going to have throughout the years when I'm simply not going to see things from their perspective. I hope I can remember this Tinkerbell lesson. So the tears ended shortly after that. I do think that those tears would have gone on a lot longer if I had said to them, Hey, stop. Don't be a baby. Don't cry. This is no big deal. It's a movie. Why are you crying over a movie? You know, I think they would have gone on for a long time. But being allowed to grieve even over a character in a fairy movie, it helped them move on quickly. And then soon they were playing a game together and they had no thought for that mysterious character that returned to the ground for a thousand years. Now, I'm sure they don't remember this experience. I do. It was a pivotal step in my development of empathy for my children. And as I continued to try to be an empathetic parent, I drew on that experience over and over. So when my toddler got upset over, let's say, the sandwich being cut the wrong way, I drew on that Tinkerbell power of empathy and told myself, this must feel frustrating. When my preteen told a lie, I drew on that Tinkerbell power of empathy and told myself, "They must be scared right now. And then the more I practiced that empathy, the easier it was to reach for it. Now, I'm not perfect at this by any definition. I still find myself telling my kids that they're fine and they need to get over something, but I do it a lot less now. And that's what makes this even more powerful because when I have those days where I completely lack empathy, and we all have those days, when I have those days where I yell, when I have those days where I punish too harshly, I can eventually return to empathy because I've done it so much that I can now get back there. I've done it for those tiny things so I can do it When I'm dysregulated, or after I get over being dysregulated, to be more accurate, there, I can have empathy for myself too. I can forgive myself and I can repair the mistakes I've made. And that's the beauty of this empathetic approach to parenting. You can't do it perfectly. Well, maybe you can. Some people are just so good at this, but I can't, and I think most of us can't. Empathy is always within reach after we mess up. We can always offer it to ourselves, and then we can offer it to our children. I titled this episode, How to Have Empathy for Your Child's Small Problems, but there's not really a step-by-step process, is there? It just comes down to deciding that their small problems, like characters disappearing in Tinkerbell movies, are real problems. It just comes down to deciding that their big problems, like finals, are still big problems, even if they seem small compared to what you're going through as an adult. It's a process that we can get better at over time. The more we practice, the better we'll be. This is a huge part of how I learned to stop yelling. I mean, I still yell occasionally when I'm completely dysregulated, but yelling is not a part of my regular parenting anymore. I can go days, weeks without yelling. And developing empathy was a huge step in that. If you wanna learn the steps I took to stop yelling, check out my course, how to stop yelling at rebeccabrownright.com, and I'll link to it in the show notes. You're doing such good work. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy, where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review, sharing it on social media, or sharing with your friends. I love you and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.